I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hey, Johnny. What's up? I have a problem with Lisa. She said that I hit her. <sighs> what? Well, did you? No, it's not true. Don't even ask. What's new with you? You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Welcome back, everybody. Movie Sucktastic here. Scott coming back to you with a Scott-tastic episode. I want to uh, th- and thank you for everybody there playing the home game. I'm currently at the Wilson Compound, uh, recording from the attic as usual. Nice breeze today. Only a sweltering 98, not in the triple digits like normal. And I'm uh, coming to bring a rebuttal, a response, a a uh, tag your it version of Scott-tastic to Joey's uh, Kaz-tastic. I'm uh, I'm yinging his yang. I'm uh, uh, flipping his flop, Wang is his cadoodle. None of that makes any sense. I'm going to keep going anyway, though. Uh, just Joey and I are going to be doing a bit of back and forth. And uh, you're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Anybody who's not heard this before and is wondering what I'm babbling about, just tune in to moviesucktastic.com, spelled like it sounds. Movie Sucktastic. Or you can check out my personal website at smichaelwilson.com. A little less suck, a little more tastic. Uh, same level of movie and uh, you can catch us on youtube you can catch us on uh everything's linked from movie sucktastic just go there check it out um i want to bring up a quick point to all those faithful listeners out there and to the new listeners too something i was not aware of uh now i i'm the brains behind the department here i'm the uh not i'm the brains so it's actually joey's the brains joey's the it guy joey's the fat guy i'm the pompous loudmouth opinion guy and that's really what i bring to the table with this group and Joey posts all the podcasts. I don't really have much to do with the website itself. I deal with uh, my own website. I deal with our lunch.com review site. I take care of that angle. Joey posts the podcast up. He keeps the site running. So what I was not aware of is we have outtakes. Now, if you download the podcast as I do to listen to it from iTunes, uh, you get the regular episode. You will get this episode, which I believe is number 33. I could be wrong on that. Things are moving kind of fast this month. Um, But if you go to the website, you can listen to it live from a player on our website. And we have outtakes, and I was not aware of this. Uh, But Joey apparently has been taking choice cuts of our past recordings and posting them as outtakes. I was aware of one because I had asked him to post it because it was too long for the episode that we recorded. But uh, it seems that Joey has been been carrying on your tradition without my knowledge. And so there are such wonderful ones as uh, Scott berating Joey and Scott joking about drowning children, which you can now listen to only live from the website. Uh, I guess I recommend that. So uh, that was an interesting discovery. And uh, listening to the Joey's ep- episode was... Uh, nice you know we, we don't we're, we communicate mostly online these days we're both busy guys and so 
I really hear Joey's voice more on the podcast now than I do in person, and nice to get some input from him, nice little feedback. So this is kind of my response to his last episode, which was the Hobo with a Shotgun episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and some other things that Joey talked about. But first, just to keep up with the modernness of the show, with the up-and-coming, with the news, with the latest, with the biz, I'm going to do the top ten list. Now, I'm not going to do it like Joey does it. I'm not going to be telling you numbers, uh, random numbers of made 68 million, made 18 million, did 35 million, which is five more million than last week. I'm not going to do that. We're just going to read down the names. I, I give a shit about the numbers anymore. I don't care what these people make. Uh, Midnight in Paris, number 10. This is the weekend of June 24th to 26, 2011, before the big 4th of July weekend. Uh, Midnight in Paris, Woody Allen flick. Uh, Woody Allen films never do well to begin with. I'm surprised this made the top 10, to be honest. Uh, I don't know what's going on that it didn't do anything. And... It doesn't look that promising to me. Uh, eh, I mean, trailer's okay. I, I don't know. It, it, Woody Allen's pretty much cranking out the same kind of films this, at this point. Uh, it's really Midnight in Paris. is about a, a, a guy and his girlfriend in Paris, and he cheats on her with uh, flappers from the 50s. That's the gist of it. Uh, that came in number 10. Number 9, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides based on the actual novel on Stranger Tides, which I think means it's going to be a better film than the, the horribly written, shitty third sequel and the second sequel. Uh, but Stranger Tides came in nine. Uh, it's been out six weeks, and it's only made... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention some mem- numbers, because it's only made 230, $230 million, and it cost 250 and I, I think this counts as a bomb. I, I'm not, I don't think it's doing okay, and it made its money back, but... When you're when you're dropping two and a half bills on a movie and you just make your money back, it's really not a success. They're they're, they're looking for more than that. They're looking for three hundred million, four hundred million. They're looking for Avatar money, and they didn't get it. So I, maybe we won't see a part five. Maybe they can finally put this franchise to rest. Uh, number eight, and number seven are Bridesmaids and Hangover Two because there's if there's nothing I enjoy more, and I'm not being facetious. I'm not being sarcastic about this. If there's nothing I enjoy more, it's Comedies that make fun of the sacred tradition and ritual of marriage. Uh, I I honestly think that it, it does. That's a great service in our name. On the weekend that New York City has legalized gay marriage, yes, uh, congratulations, all you uh, gays out there. You can now suffer in misery with the rest of the married uh, people in the world. Uh, I I don't know why you were fighting for it, but you got it. Now you got to live with it. Uh, it's I think it's nice to bring that up on the eve of gay marriage being legalized in the Big Apple, that Hangover Part 2 and Bridesmaids are number 8 and 7, doing respectably well. Good films. Uh, both drugging at least two, two, three, four times more than they cost. Uh, and I've heard great things about both of them, so cool there. X-Men First Class, uh, the X-Men prequel sequel, uh, is in at number 6. Uh, I, I, which to me, I mean, that's to me, it's almost makes as much sense as the young Flintstones, uh, the teenage Flintstones, was it or Muppet Babies? That's when I think X Men First Class, I think Muppet Babies. Uh, the, we we didn't need to go back. All 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 that saying is that people were getting tired of the actors in the regular series, and we killed off too many of them. Uh, that we're just going to go ahead and go backwards now, and and in five more years they'll reboot it, and then they'll do a new X-Men thing, so that's running out of steam. Number five, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Uh, got mixed feelings on this one. It's a kid's film. I don't like knocking kid's films normally. Uh, it really, it's a kid's film's a kid's film. They're not supposed to be good. They're not supposed to be 
intelligent. It's just cookie cutter, run in the mill. Just crank him out, uh, entertain the kids. And, you know, the, the budget budget's around $55 million. They didn't really dump too much into it. It's, it's nice to know that the CGI budget for a fake Penguin movie still is under $100 million. You know, we're not talking, we're not talking Avatar money here. But I, I've, the trailer bothers me. Uh, Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey hasn't sold out. I, and, I, and I, honestly, I don't think of sold out as a negative term. I, I, if, if given the chance, I will sell out in a minute. Uh, I'm, I'm actively trying to find the chance to sell out. But you watch the trailer of uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins, and well, the first thing that bothers me is it's it's lame and it's predictable and it's beyond lame. I mean. Uh, it's CGI animals. They don't talk, so it's a plus. But it's CGI animals, and of course, in the course of the trailer, we we get a uh, crotch shot joke, we get a fart joke, and it's that seems to be about the level of the humor in it. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't. I think we can do better. I really think we could do better. It, maybe my problem is that. Well, first of all, this is another rich people with problems film. All these films for kids. Every film we put out there for kids, it's some rich person with the problems, and they have the penthouse, and they've got, you know, they can afford to just not go to work, and they can afford to do all this fun stuff, and they can afford to turn their their Manhattan penthouse into a into an icy slip and slide for a half a dozen penguins they got from the Antarctic, and 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 I'm just getting tired of rich people's problems and and rich people's solutions and rich people playing in the worst economic recession since the Great Depression and in, in a time where there are a lot of children out there who are uh, losing their childhood homes while they're still children. And I just, I'm trying to fi- figure out where a kid's film about a rich man who inherits penguins and then has to cope with the penguins fits into the, the economic realities of this summer, this generation. And it, uh, I'm coming up with a blank. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm really becoming pretty much disgusted at the level of intellectual discourse in our kids' films. And you can laugh at that comment, but when I was growing up, when I was when I was a, when I was a young man, when I was a young man, uh, shit, we had some. Not only did we have some cool kids' films, but we had dark kids' films. This is so everything. That, every kids' film that comes out now. We're talking. It's got the Popper's Penguins and the uh, the Smurfs is coming out, and you've got the Squeakle of uh, of uh, the Elvin and the Chipmunk shit. We had we had Willy Wonka. We had Dark Crystal. We had Labyrinth. We had some dark shit. We, I mean, even witches, witches. I, I mean, turning kids to mice. That's supposed to be kind of cute and everything. But we're, but we're not just talking like you know. A shadow when it shrinks down the mouse. When the one kid turns into a mouse, I mean, he goes, uh, he's, he goes into fits, and it's purple and everything, and he's, it's just bulging, and it's, it's, it's fucking scary. It's a scary transformation sequence, and we've got, now we've got fucking penguins, and I know it's based on an original novel. I, I actually, I actually believe I have Mr. Pop, Popper's penguins on my uh, shelf, on my bookshelf, and, but. For the love of God, I mean, we, we, the the lessons we were teaching, they were teaching us through kids' films back then. You know what it is? They were teaching us British kids' films. Most of our kids' films were based on British novels, and they were based on uh, 
British uh, ideas or British directors. Go go back and watch Alice in Wonderland, the one where Dudley Moore plays the the Dormouse. Watch that. That is a twisted fucking movie. Now watch this this gay ass uh, prancing around multicolored CGI big headed extravaganza of Tim Burton's, and you tell me that's a dark. It's not a dark film. That's like pseudo dark. That's that's brightly colored dark. That's not that's not chop. You know, thr- drowning kids in chocolate pools and turning them into mice and. And and Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal still gives me chills. And that was that was a kids movie. That was made for children. Mister Popper's Penguins is bullshit. That's my, my muted opinion on that. Anyway, number four is Super Eight, uh, which I've heard good things about. I really don't care to see it. Um, when Cloverfield was out, I was digging the whole mystery behind it. The whole idea of what's What's going on in the city? What's what's you know when they showed the first trailer? Like, wow, this is going to be kind of cool. Where are they going to go with it? I mean, oh yeah, we understand there's something attacking the city, or it might be a Godzilla type thing. But how are they going to portray? It? How are they going to go? Where are they going to go with this? Especially if it's all first person, where we heard about. And now Super Eight. This really looks like a remake of ET. And this is from someone who hasn't seen it. Just seen the trailers. Remake of ET. And the big hype behind it is we don't show you what the monster is. And I'm getting tired of that hype. I'm really getting tired of this manipulative marketing where by not revealing something in the trailer, uh, it's supposed to entice me to see the film. Uh, you you, you want to entice me to see a film by not showing me something in the trailer? How about not showing me the fucking ending of the film? That's a thought. That's off the top of my head. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Just don't show me the ending of the film. I would like not to know how the film's going to end. That would help. Uh, that will entice me. That I will buy a ticket then if I can watch a trailer and not say to myself, well, I know the movie now. Just just give me a flavor. Give me the flavor of the film. Give me, give me, a, give me a taste. Don't, don't show me the goddamn ending. Number three, Green Lantern. Uh, the more superhero films and comic book films that come out, I'm really beginning to feel that... Uh, the era of the superhero film is coming to a close, and not because the quality is waning. I think the past couple years, and I think the next couple years coming out, we are seeing some of the best comic book adaptations ever made. Uh, I think we peaked, however, with Batman Begins, Batman the Dark Knight. Uh, actually, Batman the Dark Knight might have been the peak, because the, the Joker in that was phenomenal. I can't even say enough about that. And the last and the first Iron Man was a perfect blend of of, uh, of drama, a little bit of melodrama, enough comedy to keep you interested. It was fun. There was enough action, but there was a real character to it, and the storyline was actually, you know, pla- plausible to an extent. You know, what do you want? It's a comic book movie. And I'm not saying that the comic films that are coming out now are lacking in these qualities, but we are now getting such. A push now. Once the once they got this agenda going of eventually making the Avengers film and started teasing future superhero films in the last ones, teasing Thor and Iron Man two, teasing uh, uh, they I forget which ones teased which. I think the Incredible Hulk teased one. That's uh, they really played their hand. They they tipped their hand on the, on the deal. And we are seeing a flooding of the market of high-end, well-produced superhero films. And it's going to drown the market out. It's going to make it a bit 
more it's 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 dulling it it's it's it be, I, I'm I'm a little numb to it right now. If this if this Green Lantern trailer, if this Green Lantern film had come out oh five years ago, I'd be flipping. I'm not a Green Lantern fan. I don't read the comic. I never really read the comic. Uh, I was never that much in the Green Lantern, but I, w- I would have been flipping because it looks like it's so faithful to the comic and they're really going, going, you know, full force into it. And it looks like it, production value is great, and, and it looks like they really didn't skimp on it. And, and there's a lot of melodrama too, so they're not just playing it goofy for the kids like they used to, you know, ten, twenty years ago when they did comic book movies. But now there are so many serious comic book films coming out, uh, all of them. Very melodramatic, very uh, comic elements, but a very serious tint to them. Captain America looks like it's really going to, you know, be like a good adaptation. The first time Captain America has been done well. Uh, my favorite Captain America is still the TV pilot, where Captain America was the surfer uh, with an IQ of about forty or fifty, who got the costume from somebody and then uh, flipped over vans a couple times. If you can find that one, that's a great one to watch. Uh, but I think we're going to see a flood of the market, and I think we're, we're think we're seeing audiences not as enamored. I mean, if you look at Green Lantern uh, number three on the top ten uh, in its second week, and it's only made ninety million, two hundred million dollar budget. I mean, the people just aren't as interested. Uh, I think uh, Cars two might have had a better opening weekend than Green Lantern and it just and not because I think Green Lantern's a bad film uh, I've seen seen nor heard any indication that it's a subpar movie but I think people are just a bit done with it you might see the same thing with Transformers 3 you might see enough people uh, not rejecting Michael Bay I'm not please get off the Michael Bay hate wagon you know fuck you he makes good films he doesn't, not good movies he makes fun movies he makes big budget explosion exciting movies and they're fun and enjoyable. And if you can't deal with that, you know, go screw and watch Avatar again. Uh, but I, I, um, I, th- I think it's just too much at being thrown at the wall. And yeah, I, th- I think Transformers this one might not do as well. And I think the reason Green Lantern didn't do well is just people are tired of it. People are just a little tired of uh, the superhero things. Just it's being it's being too well done, too much to impress people anymore. And now enough people were like, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's like it's like another action film coming out. Oh, another one? They, you know, with big planes and explosions and stuff? So it's not really anything new anymore. So that's where that's going. That's my prediction. Uh, the two opening this weekend uh, came in number two and number one. Uh, well, the two big openers this weekend. I mean, you had you always have stragglers like, uh, uh, who else? You know, Conan O'Brien Can't Stop and... Uh, Turtle, The Incredible Journey, but they, you know they weren't widescreen, big box office releases. So I'm talking about the big ones: Cars Two and Bad Teacher. Bad Teacher came in number two. Cars came in. Cars Two came in number one. Bad Teacher looks horrible, uh, and I really hate Siegel. Uh, real, I really, really hate him. I just don't find him especially funny. And I, I've said it once. I'll say it again. When you show your dick in a movie, you are not allowed to do a Muppet film. I don't know why this son of a bitch is being allowed to be in a Muppet film. If I have to see your, you swinging your meat three, four, five times in a, in a comedy, you shouldn't be in a kid's film with puppets a year later, three years later, whatever it is. I, that's, that's the rule. I've always said that, and I stand by it. Uh, bad Teacher just looks... Eh. It looks like... Bad Teacher really feels like somebody pitched an idea, and then it's, oh, great, give us a screenplay in two weeks, we'll film it. Uh, 
for all I know, it's a great film. Who knows? I haven't seen it, but I have no desire to see it, and uh, I, I don't. Seems kind of lame to me. Probably it seems probably kind of as lame as Cars Two, which uh, I just talking Cars. I mean, how long has it been since the first one? This is like Toy Story all over again. They wait. It's like they waited for a lull. The Cars Two came out because they didn't have any really good ideas for a real Pixar film. So the fill in the gap between real good Pixar movies. Let's just throw a Cars Two in. We've already got you know we already have the setup. We have the you know. Merchandising's already in the works. We can just che- tweak some things. We already have rec- you know recognitions. So we don't have to resell the film. We can save money on advertising and just you know the kids that saw the first cars will just see the cars and go ooh let's go see that. It's it's an easy win. It's just it's a gap filler. It's uh it's useless. It's it's a it's a stopgap in between decent Pixar films, which Pixar does crank out. Uh, it's it's eh eh eh. So what we're looking at is the top ten list for this week. And the finger list. Ah! Which of these films would I rather cut my pinky off than see in the theater? What, what film would I disfigure myself for life and make impossible to clean my ear properly instead of seeing it in a theater? Well, gotta tell you, uh... Kung Fu Panda number two was not in the top ten. That got squeezed down to eleven. So I can't put Jack Black on my finger list. Damn, that makes the choice hard. And honestly, there's a lot of films here I would see in the theater: uh, Green Lantern, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Midnight in Paris, Bridesmaids, The Hangover Two, X Men First Class. All of them, Super Eight, even all of them, I would gladly see in the theater. Uh, I, I would either sit through, yes, even Midnight in Paris, even though I was bland about it, I still like Woody Allen, and I still like to see what he does. I'm not saying I'd be impressed, but I would, wouldn't mind seeing it. Uh, that leaves a scant three films on this list that I would not want to see in the theater. And of the three of them, I think the one that I would rather slice my finger off, Yakuza style, rather than plunk down 10 to $18 for a movie ticket... Oh, it's a tough call between Cars 2, Bad Teacher, Mr. Popper's Penguins. But I think, wow, I think Mr. Popper's Penguins. I, I think the, the combination of juvenile humor, uh, sad Jim Carrey between real jobs uh, situation, and just the completely lame plot line that, you, that the trailer exhibits, on top of the whole rich fucking people having problems plot, which... Is really got an issue with. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I'd rather slice my, my 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 little pinky digit off rather than see Mr. Papa's penguins. So there you have it. There's a top ten list. Uh, we're gonna take a short break, and uh, well, I'm gonna take a short break. I don't give a I don't care what you do in the, in the interim. But when I come back, you'll be there hopefully. And when I come back and you're there, you're gonna listen to me talk about hobo with a shotgun. What the hell do you think you're doing? You want to know if I'm homeless so you can kill me? Yeah, are you? Some people got a bed to sleep on where they can crawl under the covers and have a good night's rest. But other people, they don't got beds at all. Instead, they got to find an alleyway where some fucker's not going to stab them. Just because they don't got beds doesn't mean they're homeless. Because guess what? They got the biggest home of any of us. It's called the streets. And right now, 
You should show them some goddamn respect! If this is their home, they got a right to keep it clean, don't they? Sometimes, on the streets, a broom just ain't gonna fucking cut it! It's when you gotta get a shotgun! So if you wanna kill me, go ahead. But I'll warn you, from where I'm standing, things are looking real fucking filthy! Born free, free as the eagle, free as the hobo, with a shotgun, born free. Okay, uh, we're back uh, after that brief, but definitely worthwhile intermission, and I'm going to talk about hobo with a shotgun a bit now. Joey talked about Hobo with a Shotgun in the last episode on his castastic uh, version. And the one problem with Joey and I tag-teaming these uh, solo episodes back and forth is he's going to talk about a movie, then I'm going to want to talk about that film too. And to the casual listener who's downloading episodes off of iTunes, uh, moviesucktastic.com too, you're going to be thinking to yourself, I just heard this film talked about, why do I want to hear you talk about it again? Well, if you listen to our normal episodes, you know Joey and I usually have conflicting views. And this is kind of a... Uh, if you listen to his review of Hobo and a Shotgun and my review of Hobo with a Shotgun, I'm sure you're going to find some slight differences. Uh, we both enjoyed the film. I loved Hobo with a Shotgun. Hobo with a Shotgun is is the shit. Hobo with a Shotgun is this year's Human Centipede. This is the movie. It is the feel-good splatter fest of the year. 2011's Human Centipede. This is the film. This is this is not even a film. This is an act call to action. This is a clarion call. Rutger Hauer uh, and, and uh, Joey likes Rutger Hauer. Why, Joey? Because he b- 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 bloody well stammers. No, that's not it. You like Rutger Hauer because of Blade Runner. And, uh, and, and apparently that's that's this the first film he was ever in, according to Joey. I disagree, however, and and yes, yes, Osterman's Weekend. I will bring it up. Uh, like like so many other actors that have a cult following, Rutger Hauer is not flawless. He has turned out several shitty films, Osterman Weekend being one of them, and shitty performances in those shitty films, Osterman Weekends being one of them. However, I'm a huge fan of his. The Hitcher is his best film, not Blade Runner. Sorry, Joey, I have to disagree with you there. But the Hitcher, yes. God damn Sean Bean for being a part of that shitty ass fucking remake. But uh Hobo with a shotgun. Man, yet a, yet another film based on uh, a fake trailer created for the Tarantino Rodriguez collaboration Grindhouse. Uh but unlike Machete, which uh which uh, while it was fun and faithful to the feel of the exploitation cinema, uh as an homage, it eventually fell flat and uh, felt felt a little forced. Uh, uh, Machete did, but Hobo the Shotgun is far superior to Machete. Uh, machete uh, and and dude, Machete was fun. Don't get me wrong, but but Hobo the Shotgun has has a depth and substance that Machete was sorely lacking, and that uh, even both Grindhouse films really dis- missed the mark on. Uh, where Hobo differed, though, with Machete and with the Grindhouse films, is that it ditched the link to the 70s exploitation cinema and dug deep into the genre uh, that was ripe for resurgence, the gruesome splatter comedies of the 80s. Now, uh, obviously, 
people listening to this show are familiar with Tromaville uh, because of you know they were they were the reason for such masterpieces as the Toxic Avenger, uh, which is still a classic to this day, and it really Toxic Avenger rushed it. Uh, Ushered in, rushed in, ushered in a whole new era of purposely, not purposely bad, but self-aware, low-budget horror films. Uh, these, these, these were horror films that not necessarily tried to make themselves bad, like like your Amazon Woman on the Moon type thing, but they embraced the concept of bad acting and low production values in a horror film. And they launched a new appreciation for bad taste in cinema. They were kind of like the horror film version of John Waters. And then they quickly took that concept and, and beat it to death like a horse. Be- beat it like a dead horse? Beat it to death like a horse? Uh, they beat it like a redheaded stepchild. What could I say? I love a redhead. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Uh, but Hobo with a Shotgun brings us back to that. Uh, golden era, over-the-top, blood-drenched, slapstick horror uh, it, and it turns the weaknesses of low production values into the film's strengths. Uh, now, unlike Tromaville and, and some of their memorable yet forgettable titles like uh, Class of Newcomb High, Redneck Zombies, Hobo doesn't just hang its hat on the camp horror gimmick and uh, take the easy way out. There's a depth to the story and characters of Hobo with a shotgun. If, if you bother to look past the uh, the blood and the gore, and the uh, the vulgarities of which there's quite a few, uh, the, the film really delivers uh, delivers a, a solid message on you know on top of the obvious visceral joys and uh, relentless almost sadistic pace at which they're delivered. You know the basic plot of Hobo with a Shotgun by this point. Hobo rides the rails in the town. Uh, turns out the uh, town is evil. Now, when the ho- when the titular hobo with a rather rigid sense of justice and moral outrage for your typical vagrant first rides a rail car into the town, uh, Hope Hopeville, I believe, Hope Hope Town, uh, sans shotgun, he sets himself down amongst the filth of the crime-ridden streets and he pens the cardboard sign, "I am tired, need money for lawnmower." It is it is funny, but and while undeniably humorous, the words on this beggar's corrugated tablet serve as more than just a cheap sight gag. This hobo, our hobo, our hobo, is seeking money like the rest of the nefarious characters creating havoc throughout the streets of this this vile city he now calls home. But the dollar signs in his sign aren't simply symbols of greed and wealth accumulation, nor are they merely means toward survival. He, the stated need for dollar signs, uh, a lawnmower, uh, communicates a desire not only to escape the grime of the crime-ridden streets, uh, the lawnmower, of course, symbolizing front lawns and greener pastures, the idyllic fantasy world of the middle-class suburban household, a mythological place of comfort and belonging. Um, his desire to be productive is there, too. He, he, not, he doesn't just want money for coffee or booze or food. He wants to start his own lawnmower service, ironically, in a city where you don't see a single lawn in the entire film. But he, he has this urge to be productive, to be helpful to the community, to, to give something back, to, to be more than just meat, to be more than just detritus garbage on the streets. He wants to be somebody, he wants to provide a service. And... Uh, what I'm getting at here is is Hobo with a Shotgun is more than just a, a splatter film. It's it's a it's a really a picture of our economic times right now. The hobo is stands for the working poor and the working the lower middle class, middle class, 
you know the the that this country is now riding on the backs of and 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 really represents the 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 desire of the down and out right now the people that are losing their homes and and on unemployment for years on end and struggling at shitty minimum wage and barely above minimum wage jobs oh gee you're paying me 75 cents above minimum wage oh i I should drop to my knees and fucking kiss your feet no and these people that are struggling uh just just and just being faced with media non-stop media as, as some kind of form of fake news and they're watching these the corrupt the corrupt and the 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 greedy the, the the greedy rich and the corporations and the banks and they're watching them swindle and lie and cheat and steal and kill and hurt and maim and get away with it and make their money on that and there's this there's this need to rise up and do something about it and the hobo does the hobo grabs a shotgun he has forty nine dollars and he could buy the lawnmower but the shotgun's there and it's a revolt it's a rebellion and the hobo rebels and we have to rebel like the hobo. Rutger Hauer is showing us the way. We must rise up against our oppressors and take them down one shell at a time. And, uh, all right, that that might be a bit too far. I might actually calling for physical violence uh, in a political vein might be a bit harsh for a movie review. Uh, but, you, you, I mean, you got to see where I'm coming. I mean, this the film really digs deep. Uh, Rutger Hauer's character is sympathetic and, and, and very sympathetic. And, and not just because he becomes a vigilante blowing away... Uh, greasy Santa Claus outfit clad pedophiles and, and, and you know and and slimy bum fight directors shooting films in alleys and white suited wannabe uh, entertainers killing and maiming out of some perverse need for attention. I mean he he he, uh, he rises up against an oppressive an oppressive force of criminal violence and negligence that is the rule of law. And I don't see a reason why that shouldn't be taken seriously. Uh, I, I think it's doing a bit of a disservice to Hobo with a Shotgun to compare it to Toxic Avenger, when really, I think it has a bit more uh, comparison to Street Trash, which was in the same kind of vein as, as Toxic Avenger and the Trauma films, but Street Trash... I've always said is one of the best written bad movies out there. Uh, and if you haven't seen Street Trash, by all means, get it. And that's all I'm going to tell you about. I'll, I'll try to throw the trailer up on the uh, Movie Sucktastic blog and our Facebook page, Movie Sucktastic. Uh, so if, if you swing by to those, I'll put the Street Trash... Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll try to put the Street Trash trailer up and I'll put see if they have the severed penis football scene, which I believe is on YouTube. Um, but Street Trash had a depth to it and it had had a message and hobo with a shotgun has a message that that guy uh that imdb movie review that joey read last week was spot on hobo with a shotgun doesn't just titillate or disgust or amuse it it makes you think it makes it really it really it, it's it's got a depth to it it really it really makes you wonder what you do in that situation and Makes you wonder how different our situation is now. I mean, obviously, it's it's you know it's it, they it's blown out of proportion for the film, but God damn it, if Hobo with a shotgun isn't isn't our siren call to something greater than just manipulation and degradation under the forces of darkness. Uh, that's me. 
Uh, and Joey had his favorite lines from from Hobo with a Shotgun, but I think I think my favorite has to be uh, well, I mean, besides when life gives you the razor blades, you make a baseball bat covered in razor blades. Uh, I, I think the first real line of dialogue we get from Rucker Hauer uh, when he confronts Slick as he's about to rape Abby. And who the fuck are you? Put the knife away, kid. Or I'll use it to cut welfare checks from your rotten skin. Well, you better cut one to Mother Teresa so you can give it to her while she's finger-banging you in her! Shut your filthy mouth! Mother Teresa is a goddamn Satan! Serves you right. That's just there's there's a power to that line that this is fucking awesome. So but we talk you know Joey talked about hobo, I'm talking about hobo. Uh you gotta see it. You definitely gotta see it. And after you see it, get a shotgun. That's all I gotta say. Tell you what, we'll take a break and then I'm gonna we're gonna discuss Joey's movie challenge. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. You know, Mr. Duran, uh, that stuff I said about the raw stuff and the glaze with car wax, so I was just kidding around. It looked like you needed a laugh. We all needed a laugh that night, huh? And, uh, I mean, that's a fine dish. I eat it all the time on my breaks. I mean, the night your girlfriend got raped and murdered, I had a piece. You saw me in front of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You're a nice kid. Now it's no more Nick the Dick, eh? Remember this afternoon at the police station? Look at me when I talk to you. This afternoon at the police station, Nick the Dick. Nick the Dick. Huh? I don't know the difference between chicken and duck. You're making me out a real fucking imbecile. That's what you're trying to do. No, no, I was just a little nervous, that's all. You know, the cop, the bull wanted to wire me up, wanted me to come in and run on you guys. And one I more thing, no what you guys? Look at me when I talk to you. I'm looking at you. Right? you My girlfriend smell is what brought the fucking bum over, huh? You misunderstood what I was saying. I, I, I said she stinks, but I mean, she stinks of beauty. She wasn't a nice lady when she was alive, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I had enough of you, you fucking cocksucker. You dirtbag. Hold this fucking thing. I hit you with the cane, huh? You know what I'm gonna do with this cane? I'm gonna shove it down your throat until it comes out of your fucking asshole, you big mouth bastard. What's this? What is this? Oh, pay attention. What is this? Mr. Duran, you know, I look up to you. You look, you know, I, I look at you, I see an Adonis. You know what look I mean? Look at this, he's I, drinking on my fucking you. job. I told you to search this prick before you brought him up. His closeness was a piece. Drinking on a fucking job and eating my chicken. You ain't gonna be satisfied until you're me and I'm you. That's what you're waiting for, huh? You're cute, boy. You're cute. I love you. I love you. Shut up, you cocksucker. You talk too much. Shut up. Wait a minute. Let me, let me kiss the ring. Let me kiss your ring. You know what you're gonna kiss? You're gonna kiss my prick, you fucking rat. Nikki, Louie, we got the stool pigeon. Nobody could stop us, huh? This is to you, you rat. Azalut. Jesus, you fuck you! What's the matter, boss? Hey, uh, you're not looking too well, boss. Kill the rat! Holy shit, he's dripping. Oh! Oh, I got a mop! What the fuck is happening? Oh, look at that stuff spew! Oh, man! What's the matter? You can't hold your liquor, huh? Oh, shit! What the fuck with my balls? Kiss your prick, it's dripping down the stairs! round three winner takes all 
So, if you were listening to the last episode, you heard Joey uh, deliver his movie challenge to me. Uh, anybody new to the episode, we, tr- we challenge each other to watch bad movies and try to get their opinions of them. And, and the goal of it is to hurt each other, to make the, each other watch bad movies. And Joey challenged me to watch the Twilight parody, Vampires Suck. And uh, no offense to Joey, and I'm not trying to... Uh, rile anybody, but I was kind of disappointed in Joey's challenge. Uh, Joey, really? I mean, parody film? You, you, you didn't hurt me. You, you didn't hurt me. For, all right, first of all, all the parody films are stupid. It's like, again, it's, it's like making fun of kids' films. Yeah. All parody films are stupid. They're mostly juvenile humor. There's no subtlety in them because they're really playing to a broad audience, and they're really taking stuff that's obviously funny, and then just cranking it up to such a, a track. It's, it's like watching a Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, or a bad one. B- but Vampire Suck, as bad as it was, was not horrible. I've seen worse comedies. I've seen worse parodies. Uh, maybe maybe I'm a bit jaded uh, because yes, Vampire Suck was bad, but it's making fun of a series of films. Uh, the first two films is really making fun of. But it's making fun of Twilight and the second Twilight, and they were horrible films. And I, I can find joy just in laughing at the Twilight films with this film. Yes, Vampire Sucks not subtle, but neither is the Twilight movie. Neither is the Twilight franchise. So, really, I, I wasn't impressed. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was bad, and there, there were some funny parts. I laughed. I laughed occasionally. Uh, but it was no worse than than any any prime time sitcom featuring a, a slow a recently failed comedian or actor uh, based on a, a you know a family life situation. The, you know the whole dis, you know the dysfunctional family. Ho ho ho! I've got three kids. Oh, my wife is a bitch. You know the 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 fucking uh, everyone loves Raymond. Uh, full house tool time bullshit. I mean, it's no worse than sitting through anything like ABC shows at 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. It's, you know, it's, eh, it's, it's not, not exceptionally bad. And also, D- Diedrich Bader is in it, and he plays the father, and, and I'm sorry, he's fucking hilarious. Anything he's in, I will see. Just to see him. Except that 300 parody, I kind of draw the line there. Now, if you had challenged me to 300 parody, maybe we'd be talking about something. If, if you would challenge me to that, the, 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 the direct-to-video 300 parody, 300 pounds, I think it is, which is a bunch of fat guys running around, maybe we can talk. But vampires suck. Very, very weak challenge, Joey. So uh, I mean, I'm really not going to give much review of it. I'm just going to say it's, it's, it's a spoof of Twilight. If you hate Twilight, you're going you're gonna to at least chuckle. And, you know, occasionally. IMDb's got it at 3.2 stars. It probably deserves that. There's nothing really original in it, you know. Uh, but again, dear Diedrich, Diedrich Bader, fucking, fucking awesome. Echo base. I've got a 1007 to unauthorized on the lot. Requesting backup. I thought that was a 1082. No, sir. A 1082 is disappearing a dead hooker from Ben Affleck's trailer. Oh, that Affleck. Backup on the way. Hey, I'll make you a deal. This guy will suck your dick off if you let us go. <laughs> Contrary to what you believe, not everyone in the industry is a homosexual. How about this deal? He'll suck my dick while you watch and jerk off. All right.
Make it fast and sexy. It's either this or jail, and you know what they do to you in jail. I was a guard. All right. And after it's all over, you say, oh, what a lovely tea party. Yeah, that was him from uh, Jane's Island, Bob Strikes Back, and I'm telling you, I just—he's just funny and everything is in. He used to be in the. Uh, speaking of failed comedians uh, with their own shows, he was in the Drew Carey show, played Oswald, and he was always hilarious in that. And I—I uh, I wish he would get more work. I really do. So that's that's where I draw the line there. But Joey, 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 let's talk, Joey. Look, right here, Joey. Look me in the eyes. You gotta do better. You gotta hurt me. You gotta you gotta dig up bad movies. Not just poorly written ones. Bad movies. This is movie sucktastic, not movie antastic. Alright? So I reject your challenge, Joey. I reject it. Subpar, not good enough. I reject it and I'm doubling down. You have two movies. I'm giving you I'm giving you your normal challenge assignment and I'm giving you a makeup challenge assignment. And just to show that I'm not being you know, just just randomly rude or mean. There's a theme here. There's a reason why I'm giving you two. Because you are going to watch, my friend, and you've probably already seen these in the past, but now you have... I, I think you've seen one. I don't think you've seen both. But now you got to watch both of them now. And I need you, sir, to watch Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music. That's right, a double dose of 80s bad musicals. And not only a double dose of 80s bad musicals, sir, not just any bad 80s musicals. We're talking about Xanadu, which Olivia Newton-John, the last major screen of uh, film of uh, fucking Gene... Uh, Gene uh, why, why would I screw that up? Gene Kelly, thank you. The last, uh, the last full theatrical starring role for Gene Kelly, who took the film because he lived close to home, and Can't Stop the Music, the... Make the making of the village people, the musical film that shows how the village people came to be in such a watered down, bizarre, almost made for primetime television way. Now, a couple of things I want to point out on these. I'm leaving them for Joey to review, but I want to mention a couple of things here. Xanadu, of course, filmed in 1980, and it was it was originally supposed to be a straight roller skating movie, but you you also had uh not oh what was the name of the roller boogie was coming out and another one was coming out there were already two other roller skate uh films in the works so they first of all they rushed the Xanadu out they were they 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 started rewriting it while they were filming it they did not have a complete script when they filmed it and by the time they had finished they had injected uh Gene Kelly's 50s era stuff and they tried to spice it up a bit more so it was more than just disco and and roller skating and what you've got is really just an amalgam of crap. Uh, it's 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 really great. Um, Michael Beck, who plays Sonny Malone in it, uh, horribly doesn't even sing any, any of his own roles. He was voiced over by Cliff Richards. Uh, any of you British music fans know Cliff Richards. And here's a fun one for you. Olivia Newton-John plays the uh, muse in Xanadu. Which role did she turn down? She turned down the female lead in Can't Stop the Music. That's right. And then Can't Stop the Music and Xanadu re- released together as a double feature. Ha! They were on the same ticket. And and Xanadu uh, and Can't Stop the Music. Can't Stop the Music. My favorite thing about Can't Stop the Music, 
Uh, as you're watching Can't Stop the Music, Joey, I want you to think about this. The village people who star in the film later came out against the film, uh, disappointed that they felt that the Can't Stop the Music, the movie, toned down the gay culture, uh, which was really a driving force behind the village people, you know, their music and, and their acceptance into the mainstream culture. The village people complained that they toned down the gay in Can't Stop the Music. Now, when you're watching Can't Stop the Music, and you're watching the construction workers' musical part, and when you're watching the YMCA part with the flashes of male frontal nudity, and when you're watching the final milk-drinking commercial, think to yourself, the village people complained that they toned down the gay. And... Ironically enough, the the gay the gay that was toned out of Can't Stop the Music was included in Xanadu. So it's a nice little mix there. Uh, this is your this is your challenge and this is your punishment, Joey. You have to watch Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music. I'm not going to suggest which order to watch them in. I mean, I'm not going to obviously I can't tell you which order to watch them in, but I would recommend watching Xanadu and then Can't Stop the Music. I'm pretty sure you've seen Xanadu in the past, so refresh yourself with Xanadu. And they go right in the Can't Stop the Music, which, of course, i got to remind you, not only stars the original Village People, but Steve Gutenberg plays the guy that brings it all together, and the uh, Valerie Perrine's boyfriend, Bruce Jenner, is in the film. Bruce Jenner really just proving that... I don't know what Bruce Jenner proves by being in the film. It just, it's just fucking bizarre. Uh, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Wrap up the show with that, with your challenge, Joey, uh, if you choose to accept it, which you have to. I really, you know, you have no choice. You, you've got to watch these films now. I want to leave you with my favorite line from Can't Stop the Music, just, just to underline what you're in for. So without further ado, I'm going to give you a Steve Gutenberg, and then I'm going to say farewell. Anybody who can swallow two snowballs and a ding-dong shouldn't have any trouble with pride. So that's my latest episode of Movie Sucktastic. This is the Scott-tastic edition. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out next week when Joey has his rebuttal, his foreman, uh, his, uh, his say, his 50 cents, his uh, two bits, his two cents, uh, his, his point of view, his way, his, his, uh, his, uh, his response to my rebuttal, his rebuttal or my response. And Joey and I will be getting together in a couple weeks to record some uh, together episodes. Uh, he and I in the same room together. So we'll probably rehash a couple of these things as we go. So just, you know, thanks for tuning in. Remember, moviesucktastic.com for all your moviesucktastic needs. smichaelwilson.com for all your smichaelwilson needs, all your Scott needs. And just remember, if you're going to taunt police, don't do it with a suspended driver's license. Thank you and good night. Because he b b b bloody well stammers. <laughs>